Welcome back to the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Conquer the Gauntlet Pro, Evan Preparis. Not joining me is Brenna Calver, but I do have another guest on the line. Before we get to that, though, we're going to do a quick word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Health IQ. Health IQ uses science and data to secure lower rates on life insurance for health-conscious people. So if you're a runner, a cyclist, a strength trainer, or an OCR athlete, like you probably are since you're listening to this podcast, and you don't have life insurance... I would hit up Health IQ because they offer discounts for being healthy. What you need to do is you need to head over to their website, healthiq.com slash SASP for a strength and speed podcast. Once you get over to their website, you're going to have to take a Health IQ quiz, and that's going to see if you qualify for lower rates on your life insurance. Plus, you can get additional savings by submitting actual data, so things like race results, Strava, RunKeeper, or any other application that you use to actually track your fitness. 56% of Health IQ customers save between 4 and 33% on their life insurance. So if you're with another life insurance agency and you're not taking advantage of all the fitness work you're putting in on your spare time, then you need to switch companies right now. Car insurance companies give you lower rates for being a good driver. There's no reason that health insurance companies shouldn't give you a lower rate for being a healthier person by doing things like training, running, lifting weights, and participating in our favorite sport, OCR. You don't have to be an elite athlete to qualify. You just have to be the type of person who's putting in a little bit of time and effort to make yourself healthier. And if you're listening to this podcast, chances are that's you. So head on over to healthiq.com SASP and see if you qualify for lower rates today. Cool. Now that we heard a little bit about our sponsor, I just want to give a shout out to our intro music, which I haven't given a shout out to in a while. One of my good friends growing up was Mark Apaldo. He led a band called Madison Ambush. And that's one of their songs in our intro. I don't remember what the actual name of the song is off the top of my head. But if you like the intro, you can head over to iTunes and buy some of his music. It's pretty good stuff. Joining me today, I have Christopher Balvin. Christopher was a former D2 collegiate football player. He started racing OCR in 2011, but began racing competitively in 2014 with the Fugitive Run racing team. Fugitive Run is a race series in the middle of Missouri, Rolla, Missouri, which is now closed but they did have a great course when it was still around. He's currently the captain of the Battle Corps OCR team, so we've had several other athletes from that team on the podcast, including Leah Hensley and Jason Rulo, the owner-slash-creator of Neptune Performance Products. The Battlegrounds Race Company is based out of Wright City, Missouri. Uh, he's been on the team since 2015. He's also a member of the Strength and Speed Development team, so that's how I know him real well. He's currently training with the Endurance Project, which is a training group run by Dennis Welch. He's a brand ambassador for Second Skin Gear, and he specializes in strength-based obstacles with and short course races. So this year he won DRX Games, two wins there, which we're going to talk about later in this podcast, at the Dirt Runner course in Marcel, Illinois. And he's also won the Colossal Crusher race at, yeah. So Chris, welcome to the show. Hey, Evan. Nice to nice to be on. I think this is my first podcast, so I'm pretty excited about it. Nice. Cool. So uh, what we want to talk about in this episode is 
three things. We want to talk about DRX games because it's a very unique aspect or race style, which occurs at Dirt Runner. Uh, we want to talk about the Battlegrounds. So their last race is going to be May 19th. And Tough Mudder is currently in the process of essentially taking ownership of that venue. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit later. So it's essentially like the first quote-unquote buyout of a smaller company. And then we also want to talk about the Abominable Snow Race, which was my first race, my first OCR of 2018. I think it was your first too. Is that correct? Yes, it was. Cool. Yeah, on this podcast, we like to highlight some of the smaller companies. So the Abominable Snow Race, there was actually a lot of big names there. Uh, so we're going to get into that a little bit. So I guess let's start off with that. So the Abominable Snow Race held this past weekend, January 26th, I believe it was, at Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. So give me some of your thoughts on the Abominable Snow Race. This is, this is my second year doing it, actually. Um, same venue. I think they flipped the course around, but uh, it was about a mile longer this year. Um, I think the the thing that I like most about it is you, you, you don't really see any other OCRs that have um, the snow aspect unless you get into maybe some of the endurance ones that are, you know, like Iceland and whatnot. Um, I think Spartan just got into that last year with Greek Peak, um, but this one was pretty unique in that aspect. And the, and the cool thing about it is Midwest typically doesn't have very much going on in the winter, so um, they do really well. Um, so it's a five-mile course, which is a, is to my liking. Anything that's under seven miles, I'm pretty happy with usually. Um, but it's got a mix of everything in it. Um, you, I mean, this year we started out running on ice just at the beginning of the, the ski hills because it, it warmed up and then got cold again overnight. Um, so if you had, like, your react tracks and, or carbide tips or anything like that in your shoes, you were in, in a better shape there at the beginning. Um, did you end up running with yak tracks, or did you use, use like did. a... Okay. Yeah, so both years I, I used them. Um, so for those which, people who don't know, yak tracks, essentially it's a rubber outsole you put over your shoe, and it's got like, kind of looks like a spiral spring going around the rubber, and that helps you grip on the ice. So if you're running in the Midwest or the northern part of the U.S. and you run a lot in snow, they are awesome. I bought a pair a couple of years ago. I barely used them, but they definitely came in handy for this race because I thought I needed them 100%. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I'm glad I had them on. Um, but then once we got out of that, it got into um, some kind of access road and stuff with the obstacles, spreading people out like you see at most OCRs. And um, then you got into some single track trails. So uh, it was a lot of little rolling hills, uh, muddy turns from the the weather kind of warming up a little bit and, and sinking in and, and that top layer of, of mud kind of unfreezing. Um, so it was slick in that aspect. Um, but going in and off those trails, you went from snow to ice to mud just constantly, I think, through the whole five or so miles. Um, so it's uh, probably overall an easier OCR whenever it comes to obstacle difficulty. Um, you really don't have a lot of super challenging stuff, but there's there's enough technique to it to slow people down. They have the, um, the weavers um, is one that usually gives some people some trouble. Um, yeah, a little bit of controversy around the the monkey bars this year. Um, yeah, they did have did have some monkey bars um, that was added in. That wasn't there last year. Um, they also had the traverse wall. That it was like traverse wall into a flat wall with ropes hanging down. Right, and like then back into 
Yeah, but the the, the yeah. middle section was like a flat wall with loops of rope, so it wasn't like tip of the spear, like Battlefox tip of the spear. It was, I don't know, it just had loops, so that was kind of awkward. Right. Um, and then your typical carries. I mean, they had the carries in there, but um, being that it's at a ski resort there in Lake Geneva, you also had the the steep um, climbs, so they weren't really long, but. Uh, you had a lot of uh, vertical change. I think I clocked it at like 800 plus feet of elevation gain. I think over the five miles. Um, so I'm not sure how close everybody was to that, but that's what I got. I didn't check my data, but going in, I'm not the best on mountain courses because I feel like I'm a little too cautious running downhill because I'm worried about injuring myself for a future race. Yeah. But I will say this course, even though it is technically a mountain course, it did not feel like a mountain course, right? Like right. Lake Geneva's ski mountain is the smallest ski mountain I've ever seen. I'll just yeah, I agree. I'll just say that it was just enough to make you have to like power hike on a couple of the hills, but it wasn't enough to make you feel like you were like really on some type of a mountainous terrain. So I mean, o- yeah, yeah. So I mean, overall, I it's it's one that I like. I like how it, it still has kind of a small vibe to it. You know, it's local feel, but it's also kind of grown up enough. I I believe they said they have over 2,300 runners that were registered for it. Um, so even though the, the race results, like you looked at the race results, it only shows like 400. That's because for, you know, the smaller races now are starting to go to where the elite get timed. And then if you want to pay for a, a timing chip, then you can get a timing chip to do that, or you can clock yourself. So it only shows a few, but they had over 2,000 runners there, so that's pretty good for, uh, I think it's a third year total doing the event. Yeah, I was blown away with how great the event was. So, I mean, it's a small... I was expecting this tiny little rinky-dink race in the middle of Wisconsin in winter, and, I mean, there were some some big names there. You know, um, Jordan Buscemi, we've had on the podcast before, was there, and then Brock and Crocker was there who's been on a couple of the other yep. popular podcasts. So, yep. like, serious field. And uh, I think uh, Bracken came in first, Jordan came in second, and John Penland um, Correct. came in third. So th- We had, had um, uh, Ferguson, uh, I can't remember his first name. Um, I think Mike, right? Mike Ferguson sounds right. I think he was there in fourth. And then even the the hero, he, he had the, the podium was pretty good i mean you got up there in second right yeah correct and then uh, i believe jason west is his first name uh, yep. was first i was uh, second and scott Wurzecki, uh also from the battle Corps team was in third so even the yeah. like i went up there you know with the hero seat it was a military law enforcement veteran ems firefighter type thing i was i walked up there and i was like oh this will be a this will be an easy win um no problem and i got up there and i was like damn it i have to, have to really put out some effort today <laughs> So, yeah, it was uh, yeah, it, did, it was fast. Didn't make it easy. And then on the, I mean, even on the women's side, I think it was pretty tough. You had uh, Julie Harshis with, uh, I think she's with Endurance Project as well. Um, she just, she killed it like she usually does. She was um, high up there at USOCR Championship um, just this past year. I think she hit podium. Yep, she got third. Uh, we had her on yeah. the podcast previously in the three K. Yeah. 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 So from that, and then um, Kelly. Uh, Williams there with with the Battle Corps. She ended up first in the um, uh, Masters, Women's Masters. Um, so I mean, all all the fields I think were pretty tough there. 
Yeah, and one of the things as a competitive athlete was awesome was they paid out, and like all the categories paid out. So, you know, I won, right again, for this tiny, what I thought was going to be a tiny OCR, great field, they're paying out cash. Uh, not only did I get cash for my second place finish, but I got a bottle of vodka and I got a trophy, which is way more than I've gotten for some other pretty significant races. So uh, I was ecstatic on with that. I thought the race venue was great. I thought uh, Bill Wolf, he's the, I believe, the owner slash race director, did a great job with the course. Uh, definitely something yeah. I would look at putting on your schedule next year, especially because, like we talked about at the beginning of the episode, you know, there's not much going on in the Midwest, and it really, I think it really drew in pretty much any OCR athlete within driving distance since nothing's going on in January. Yeah, and, and to that point, they also, I mean, the, the hero heat for the first responders, EMS, military, um, the, it's pretty good discount uh, for the for what you're getting. It's the same thing as what you're basically doing in an elite way, but it's it's the same price as the open, which is kind of rare um, that you see now. Um, and and they also have the multi lap option there too. So I know there are some people that are you know your world stuff's mutter people and your your endurance athletes can get out there and run multiple laps and compete for that there too. So that's that's kind of cool. Yeah, I was thinking about doing that one, but I couldn't tell if there was prizes or what the deal was, so I ended up just sticking with the Hero Heat. And I'm actually still in the off-season, so I hadn't been doing any speed training, and I showed up there and put out a max effort 5.5-mile OCR, and like I'm embarrassed to admit like how sore I was the next couple of days. It's like embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> I, was like, uh, I was like, and... I mean, I was feeling it myself. I had, jeez, uh, oh, most of... Since August, really, I've been out of training with my. I had knee, some knee tendonitis that flared up on me at the uh, um, toughest uh, mutter in Chicago, the eight-hour event. So, ever since that one, I've been struggling. I, had, I wanted to get through OCR World Championship, and then really took some time off. So, I only got about three or four weeks of of running in prior to this of this race. So, I was I was feeling it pretty bad myself. So, I, I know where you're coming from there. Yeah, overall, like I said, great event. I was uh, super happy with it, so definitely something I want to put on my schedule next year. Yeah, I agree. Even I know there's a lot of people that jumped back on because they already opened up the registration. I think this past year they only gave about three months of registration, but they've already got it open for next year if, if anybody wants to get out there and, and hop on the, the cheap price, I think, right now. Cool. So with, you know, Ohio has a very strong local OCR scene, and I think Wisconsin is starting – the Wisconsin area is starting to develop their own strong local OCR scene. So they have Wisconsin slash Chicago areas. So they have the Abominable Snow Race. They have Highlander, which I have not done. Um, they have Frontline, which I have not done, but I believe you have done, right, with the weight vest. You do end up yeah. doing an OCR with yeah, the weight vest. Yeah, I was the first one there. Yeah, that was, that was rough. <laughs> A 15-pound weight vest. And that's for the men and women both had to wear the same weight. Oh, that's um, awful. That's yeah. that's really rough yeah. for women. F- yes, it was. People don't think 15 pounds is a lot, but when you're trying to hang from your hands, it is a lot. And they were not easy obstacles. Uh, they had rigs and and with the largest uh, uh, warp wall that I've seen in an event. I think this, the next largest is probably 2016 uh, OCR World Championship had the, the big – ramp wall but this was was bigger they had a rope down it but with that vest on even even running 
15 feet up a warp wall and climbing the last 15 vertical with a rope with a 15 pound weight vest was pretty tough. Uh, but they had the rig at the end that you had to complete with the vest. So anybody that already thinks rigs are tough, try that one out. Um, so that front line was a, was a good event. Cool. Yeah, I think I know they have they have at least one event next year. Do you know do you know if they're having more? I mean, twenty eighteen wise. I don't know for sure, but I've heard that sometime around September they were looking for another event time. Gotcha. Cool. So, but they have uh, May nineteenth is the one they have on their calendar right now. But I believe September will be a second one. Gotcha. So definitely an interesting thing there. Plus, they also have the permanent OCR facility, Dirt Runner, which you won the DRX Games for. So can you explain a little bit? I, we've talked about Dirt Runner on this podcast a couple times before, but can you un- explain the DRX Games to people? Because it has, has a unique aspect for an OCR. If we... Yeah, this is this is probably my favorite event that I've ever entered in an OCR, just out of the uniqueness of it and, and how it fits me specifically. Um, so I guess the, the easiest the closest way to explain it would be it's like a decathlon almost for OCR skills. So, uh, for example, that, uh, the, this year they had seven events at each of the two, um, DRX games. Um, and you compete in those events against the other people that are there. And based on the, on how well you do, you get points for the ranking in that particular event. And you want the, um, the lowest score possible. So the run, the numbers go up. First place guy gets um, zero points on their name, and then it just goes up the ranking. So the better you do, um, lower score. So they had uh, spear throw technique, and it was it wasn't just like hit the one spear. It was a timed thing uh, where you had three hay bales and you had to stick all three, and then run. Um, around a little barricade to a further distance one and then stick the fourth one and then you got points based on the number that you stuck um, but you anything that was beyond I think it was 15 seconds um, those didn't count and then there was a large tire jump so women had a little bit shorter tire but it, even the women's I think it was like 24 inches somewhere around that and the, the guy's tire jump was like an industrial like in a dump truck type whatever the heck it was um, but it was like over 36 inches um, high, and then you had a minute for max reps, and you had to go up, stand up to an extension, um, come back down, jump again for max number of reps. Um, then they had a tire flip where you started on one end, the tire was around a concrete block, you had to flip it all the way down to the one side, flip it back all the way back until it goes back on the concrete block, and you had to pick up your concrete block and run it all the way down to the other side of the, the area and then run it back, set it back in your tire and for your time completion. Um, they had rope climb um, for a minute for the max number of bell rings. Um, so you had to, to do that. Uh, they had what they call the dragon's nest, um, which is a, a tire drag on a rope. So the, it, it starts out with the rope taut. And it's I want to say it's about... 25 to 30 feet um, of a rope, and it's a thin rope, so it's hard to grip. So there's a an atlas stone inside of the tire. You have to run down from the start position, pick up the atlas stone, bring it back, um, and then pull the tire to you, grab the tire, drag it all the way back out to the rope is taut again, 
run back down, pick up your atlas stone and bring it down, stick it back in the tire, and then sprint through the finish. So it's uh, all these things kind of incorporate a lot of um, anaerobic, um, fast twitch muscle type stuff um, for you to do. So that's kind of where me being 195 pounds in comparison to most OCR athletes that are, are running around significantly lower than that, um, it puts me at a little bit of advantage. But then, how, how tall are you? Just kids. just so people can get an idea. Five eleven. Okay. Yeah, you're 195 pounds. I mean, your muscle, right? Like, there's. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. We're not like super bodybuilding lean, but we're you're lean. You know, yes. it's 195 yeah. pounds of muscle. Right. And then they still have incorporate the true OCR piece into it. So you have the skills that are there, but then the last event that they do is a short um, sprint course. So this year the sprint course was 300 yards with, um, I believe it was 15 obstacles stacked in that 300 yards. And, you know, they're, they start, they started out with that dragon's nest, the tire drag on the rope and the Atlas thing. So it starts you out with a high heart rate, you go through bar wire crawl, a, a netted, um, monkey bar over a hill down this like porcupine looking thing with uh um telephone poles I, I, I almost it almost looks like human plinko like you're just weaving down through it <laughs> that's a good description of it right and then um over a little wall through mud and then there's a, a pretty massive slip wall that actually is rubber coated um that you have to go over and descend down a rope or, or climb the rope depending on which way he's running it um he's got a Bucket carries around an area, and then these huge, like, 120-pound atlas stones that you have to pick up and carry. Um, got a weaver is in there. Um, some crawling through tunnels with mucky, thick mud. Um, and then, a, like, a tip-of-the-spear-type traverse wall um, near the end of it. So there's a lot of variety of different types of obstacles on that sprint course. So... It, it hits a little bit of everything, and, and you have to do well at all of those things if you want a chance to, to podium in it. I think that's such a cool event. It reminds me of, like, OCR Strongman. So, the yeah. you know, the separate events, and then you kind of get a ranking or a point system per event. And I love that, you know, I love, I love that our sport has things like 24-hour races, and then it has things like this and things like one-mile races and five-mile, you know, like and everything in between. Because I think, you know, there's so many different aspects to our sport that it, it brings out a unique capability in everyone. And I like that there's so much variation for people to do well, you know, regardless of kind of where your strength lies. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, you can look at it from, you know, Battlefrog had – a lot of the rigs and the upper body type stuff. And then you go over to people with Spartan where it's a lot of heavy carries and, and climbing. They usually incorporate a lot of the, the terrain into it. And then, you know, your, some of your local stuff is flatter. Battlegrounds is a lot flatter with um, a little bit easier obstacles. So it's a faster race. So yeah, I like how you can go to different races and, and get lots of different types of race. You can specialize in something or whatever. And this is just another um, style of that. So so were the other guys that showed up to the race, were they, or the event, were they OCR athletes, or were some of them more strength guys, or what What was the deal? They were pretty much all OCR athletes. I mean, there's some some local people from, from the Chicago area that would come in, um, and they actually, they have two different styles. So the DRX game is, is moderate weight, 
and the stuff. They also have um, a DRX Brute, which is run at a different time. It's just another event that Dirt Runner does that is heavier. It's very, it's more close to the strongman competitions than either what DRX game is. Um, so the, the, that DRX Brute is the one that I think I've seen um, more non-OCR guys at. Yeah, the guy who won it last year is ginormous. Yeah, right. Like he is, he is jacked and enormous. Yes. Um, I I don't know his name off the top of my head, but uh, I don't either. I was trying to remember it. Um, but that one does not incorporate that short course piece of it. So the DRX Games does. And there was we had um, Antonio Pusateri there from the Wisconsin OCR team. Um, and then some other local ones that do a lot of the, the dirt runner races were there. Um, Brian Fisher is a teammate of mine on Endurance um, Project. So um, primarily you'll see OCR athletes at the, at the games. Gotcha. Cool. And I do, I do not believe they've posted their schedule for 2018 yet. You know, Not for the games, but I, I believe it's um, – this the date he gave me was the weekend of May twenty sixth or twenty seventh, whatever that Saturday is. Okay, is whenever the, the game should be. Yeah, yeah. So you can pencil that in on your calendar if you're listening. I know they have posted. I think they've posted their Midwest Mayhem date, which is basically their normal ten k OCR. Um, and I think they may have posted DRX da- Dash maybe, which is like their sh- really short course one. So right. And the, the other cool thing about them is, again, we've talked about this on the podcast before, but they have really cool medals. So, like, the, the Brute, DRX Brute has, like, a tiny Atlas stone as its medal, which is, like, I, I just think yeah. it's awesome looking. Yeah. The Games has a skull. It's got, a, like, that's a skull, and it's, I mean, if you if you close your fist, it's about as big as your as most people's closed fists. It's a, it's a larger medal. Um, and then the, the podium ones have, like a lightning bolt across the face of the skull. It's kind of cool. Um, yes, yeah, so and they actually they actually gave for for winning it last year. I got they gave me a Atlas stone as the trophy. So that was yeah. I, Taki gave me an Atlas stone when I came there for OCR America, and when I moved, I think the movers just left it on the movers truck because I have <laughs> no idea where it is now. And I've been looking around my house when I realized it was missing. And, it, I mean, it's not easy to lose a 50-pound stone, right? So, oh, right. Right. So, yeah, they, uh, they, Dirt Runner typically does not give out cash prizes, but they do have some pretty cool podium awards. So I have a sword from winning Midwest Mayhem and a, a concrete dragon skull that uh, is yeah. too heavy for my trophy self. So I have it sitting on it in a different area. But, yeah, I've seen lightning bolts from the dash and spears for point leaders and like tridents and <laughs> there's a lot of interesting ones and they're full size they're not they're not just talking like a little replica thing like these are they cut it out of steel and sharpened them <laughs> yeah I'm so glad that I it was driving distance for me because I don't know how I would have gotten the sword back to my house if I had to fly so. yeah I don't think that would have happened <laughs> you gotta ship it back yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, definitely some cool events there. If you are, you know, if you want to test out a different aspect of your OCR skill, or if you think you're good enough to get on the podium, definitely some cool awards, although no cash. And you know, just for participation, lots of cool individual medals. So, check out Dirt Runner. There's a link on the Strength and Speed page under the race section. I believe it's under discounts, so you can check them out. 
And since we're talking about you know Midwest OCR for the majority of this episode, let's talk about the battlegrounds. So the big news earlier this year was Tough Mudder is going to start using the battlegrounds race venue, which is located co-located on a winery in Wright City, Missouri. So about you know 30 minutes west or so of St. Louis. And the kind of the fallout from that or the second and third order effects is the Battlegrounds, uh, which we know and love for the past couple of years, is going to have their last race on May 19th of this year. So, you know, whatever I missed, can you just kind of expound on that and maybe give us some a little more background information? Yeah, I give, I give you as much as I think I'm able to give you. Okay. Um, so... Basically, they signed an agreement with them to use the property. Um, so it's it's not that the Battlegrounds brand was purchased by Tough Mudder, but um, because of the way that the agreement is, is put together, they have exclusive rights for obstacle course racing at the venue, um, so the Battlegrounds can't hold their event um, during that five-year time frame. So yeah, I, think it, I think it's really cool for for Tough Mudder and the fact that the property, it hasn't even 50% of it has maybe been used. So even even for the people that have gotten used to the Battlegrounds and, and enjoyed that and loved that, um, you know, there's been quite a, you know, three or four events now that we've been over um, 2,300 to 3,000 runners there. So there's a lot of people that know that venue. Um, if you are looking at Tough Mudder, that's probably going to be a lot of new stuff in comparison to it. In fact, I don't even know how much they're going to touch the obstacles that are, are actually currently on the, the property since it was a permanent build. Um, I mean, just from my experience of being at, at Tough Mudders, the obstacles tend to get backed up once you get into the later part of the day. Um, so I can't imagine what that would be like on on the Battlegrounds obstacles unless they made some, some adjustments to it. So... I feel like so the the battle for those who've never been to the battlegrounds in Midwest they have an obstacle called the gauntlet and it's a six lane choose your own adventure obstacle and each of the lanes is different you know some of them have a vertical fence some of them have a horizontal fence some some of them have a balance beam some of them have monkey bars some have you know fl- rock, rings um, rock, rock what else am I missing grips, rock climbing glips tires suspended that you have to go from rope to rope. Yeah, so it's, it's all sorts of different things, and each lane maybe has three or four different sections um, of different types of obstacles that you can kind of go through. And yeah. it is such a cool, unique obstacle. It would be a shame if that never gets touched again. And I know Tough Mudder puts out such large numbers, it might be difficult throughput, but it, I still, I don't know. It would be a shame yeah, if that it, never gets used. It, it's, a, it's a little bit of heartbreaking from, I mean, from being on the team for a while and and kind of representing that that company, it's it's where I mean you start to get an identity by being part of the Battle Corps and always having that that logo on you. So you know that that home course feel, not having that anymore, is is going to be tough. Especially since I grew up fifteen minutes. My my parents' house is fifteen minutes from the venue. So I mean I've I've driven past that property since I was one year old. So. Um, I'm a, it's a little bittersweet for me just from that aspect. I was hoping that, you know, my daughter is almost two years old now. In fact, the, the only the only race that I missed at the Battlegrounds um, since they started operating five years ago was my daughter was – my wife went into labor the day of the race in spring 
2016. So, so I missed that spring race um, for her uh, to come along. So I was hoping she would get to get out there and, and play on a little bit or see me race on her stuff whenever she finally was able to, to remember it. But, hey, you know, business is business. That's, I've seen a lot of changes now, so this is a unique one, I guess, with OCR. Um, typically, that you would see one of these big companies come in and rent out the venue, and, and the agreement would still be for the other ones to run um, their stuff. So, I mean, even Dirt Runner is an example of that. You had uh, Spartan was using the property, and Dirt Runner was still operating outside of that time frame. Um, and then Battlefrog was using that property. So if you went to Battlefrog yeah. Chicago, that's where it was. Right. So this is, at least to, to my knowledge, this is the first time that the agreement has shut down the operation of of the permanent facilities that, have, that are there. Yeah. Now, I, I'm not tracking, you know, it may, have, it may have happened in the past at some point, but I'm not tracking any other ones in the last couple of years. And I think... You know, to me, this is kind of like Walmart coming in and buying, putting like the little guy out of business. So I, I think yeah. it's, you know, I, we always say, oh, well, there's there's plenty of room for everyone. There's plenty of weekends in the year and plenty of race venues and locations. And um, I'm a big fan of Tough Motor and a lot of things they do. You know, the Toughest Motor Series, World's Toughest Motor. Those are my those are my A races for the year, right? And um, yeah, I, I I'm not even that attached to the battlegrounds. I've run it twice i want to say and i agree i think that's kind of heartbreaking it's like the little guy and even their race wasn't little i mean you need a couple thousand people at it every every race but it's a little heartbreaking yeah i mean it is it, it caught us off guard a little bit because we were hearing a lot of rumors with um one of the local ski resorts here hidden valley ski resort which is about 20 30 minutes away from where the, the battlegrounds property is had been in negotiation with Tough Mudder, and they were working on signing an agreement with them. And because they wanted to build a, a zip line on the, the property with the ski resort, this stuff got held up. And because that got held up, it opened the door for the negotiations to start with the battleground. So we were a little caught off guard because we didn't think – we thought it was going to go there or end up back in Sedalia, Missouri, is where it's been the last two years. Um, and, and I know there was a, some location in Columbia that was being negotiated. So – it wasn't until it was pretty much agreed upon that, you know, the the race team was notified by the owner. So, yeah. What I would love to see, and I think it's completely far-fetched and not realistic, it won't happen, but, you know, have it be, like, almost co-branded like CTG XTC was. So if it was, like, Tough Mudder, Tough Mudder's, comma, the, or Tough Mudder's The Battlegrounds, right? So it still incorporated a lot of the battlegrounds obstacles but maybe expanded the number of lanes and then on top of that you had the normal tough mutter obstacles so you still get that tough mutter feel but it does have like a unique flavor right. that would allow you know it, it still allow people to experience tough mutter but maybe like the tough mutter legionnaires who are going around going to every single event in the u.s or a lot of the events in the u.s it still gives them the unique flair and different obstacles that they would be able to try and experience that would be like you know my my ideal world. I just um, I think they're they've got their brand and they know their formula for success. I just I don't see that happening. Yeah, and I think that would be pretty cool too. I I think the only downside to it is something like the like the gauntlet obstacle that that we have at the battlegrounds. You'd you'd run into like the uh, the tougher the elite timed competition that that Tough Mudder has now. 
um, where that not having standardized lanes could potentially be a problem whenever you're getting into those types of uh, podium positions. So I don't know, maybe, maybe they could keep some of that stuff and incorporate it into the open waves once later in the day and just have the elite kind of go around it. But that, I think it would be really cool to see that unique um, aspect at, at a Tough Mudder that isn't all, all the other ones. Because um, you see the same, typically you see, see the same obstacles at, at most of these things. Spartan has the same stuff, and they switch them around. Tough Mudder has the same stuff, and they just switch them around between venues. So to go to one and have something completely different that's unique to that location, especially whenever you've got that five-year agreement um, that you could build something and leave it there and, and build upon it or, or update it or whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, that that would be cool to see. So if t- anyone from Tough Mudder HQ is listening to this, write that down, go ahead and make that happen uh, so we can have a little bit of battleground still. Please. And with the gauntlet, I mean, they still used it for the elite wave of um, the battlegrounds. You just had to, you just picked your own lane, yep. and it was, you know, if you were smart enough, if you were smart, you would go to the obstacle ahead of time because it's like right by the parking area, and take a look at it and figure out what lane you wanted to use. And you know, I would typically pick a primary lane and an alternate just in case I was in a head-to-head battle with someone, and you know, we both hit the obstacle around the same time. But yep, yeah, it was. Strategy. It was basically like choose your own adventure, and um, some of the lanes are slower but a little more safe, as in you're not going to fall in the water, and some of the lanes were a little bit faster and a little bit harder, so it's kind of quite cool. Yeah, I mean, uh, there was a lot of people that, that don't scout it out in advance go to the one lane that's almost all balance, so there's like some hanging uh, dummy bags or something in the way, so as long as you can, you can go from dummy bag to dummy bag and just kind of go across the log. But the faster ones are the ones that if you can do the monkey bars and there's like these hoses, um, green rubber hoses that are hanging down that are like monkey bars. If you can do those, if you have that technique, those are actually faster lanes. So, yeah, that scouting in advance can pay dividends there at the end of the race. And I've passed almost every single race. I pass people in that in that gauntlet area. So it's it makes a difference. Cool. So. Give us a give us a plug and a discount code for the battlegrounds. Cause I know you have one. Yeah, so the battlegrounds May nineteenth is the event. Um, you've got five k or five mile option um, at the event, and if you want to get signed up, the price is actually going to be going up um, here. I don't know if this will be out, but February second midnight is the next price increase. But <laughs> it will not be out by then. All right, <laughs> that's like twenty four hours from now. <laughs> So if you if you want to get signed up with a 15% off discount code is Chris15, that's just C-H-R-I-S-15, um, then I get 15% off, and that's any wave that you want. Um, so hopefully we'll see you guys out there. Awesome. And you mentioned it earlier. You So you have a two-year-old daughter, right? Yes, yeah, she'll be two in May. Gotcha. Um, before I get to that, though, I want to give a quick shout-out to Miles Keller, who just had his son, I think it was like a week or two ago, uh, Evan Keller, clearly a great name. The kid's clearly going to do great stuff. So congratulations to Miles, who we've had on this podcast, I think, three times before. Uh, big shout-out to him. But just wanted to talk to you about, you know, what's it like training with a, you know, a two-year-old and kind of how do you make that work? Well, you have to, you have to change the times you're going to train. Um so my schedule, I, I usually get up at like 4.30 a.m., 5 o'clock, um, 
to get out and get to the to the gym or, or go for a run or whatever it is because by the time I get off work, you know, it's five, five thirty, six o'clock and get home, it gives me like two hours to see her. So um that's my my de stress period is walking through the door and have a little a little girl go running up to you and give you a hug. So that's the I best. do all my yeah. It's it's the absolute best. I'm not I am not a kids person, but I love my daughter more than anything. Completely so. agree. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll sit places and see kids running around and just get completely annoyed. But yep, same here. It's, it's just yeah, it's different. Um, so I don't train at night very much anymore. Um, maybe two or three times a month, I'll end up going for a night workout just because of the way things play out. But almost everything's in the morning now. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you you hit it on the head. You people make time for what's the, what's important to them. So if fitness is a priority in life, you adjust your schedule accordingly. Whether that means getting up at, you know, four a.m. to train, or uh, I know some athletes when their children go to bed, they go back out for like a second session, or or they train at night, something like that. So yeah, try to you know. try to dump the long workouts into the weekends. So uh, yeah, and even then, I'm still getting up early just so that I can try to hit some of it before she wakes up. Right on. Cool. So before we take off, anything else you want to cover? Any shout-outs you want to give? Stuff like that? Uh, no, I can, not that I can. I guess you check out the second skin gear. I, I know the, uh, uh, the last season, the second skin gear is all 50% off right now in Dick's Sporting Goods and probably won't be too much longer before they release the new spring and summer stuff. So uh, keep an eye out for that. I know. Uh, they've been working with a lot of the brand ambassadors for updates and things for OCR, so there should be some some good changes for having some some solid clothes for OCR racing. I love that. Uh, so I, I had never heard of Second Skin. I don't know how old they are, but I'd never heard of them before last year. And I feel like they went they went all in on OCR. Like they showed up and were like, "Boom, OCR everything." And yeah, they they just started last year. In fact, uh, we were it was supposed to launch in March. And it kept getting pushed back until late April. I think it finally launched. But um, so that we were we were brought on as brand ambassadors a couple months prior to it actually going live, and they brought like 200 to 300 brand ambassadors on right at the beginning, and they were pretty much all OCR or CrossFit. Um, so they hit it pretty pretty hard pretty early just from the social media aspect. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I think it shows that our sport is growing it's gaining recognition and people see value in in the athletes and in the community so with them you know whether they're you know giving out product or just discounts or you know paid sponsorships whatever whatever level they're they're investing in the sport i think that's great for everyone so um what are your some of their favorite products that they make you know i'm, I'm probably going to be racing in the the two-in-one shorts um once it warms up um because i've always you know, had different compression shorts or whatnot, but I, I wore them a couple times this, this fall. And, you know, I love those things. They're, they're comfortable. They drain well, they're lightweight in comparison to having a couple compression layer or something on it. So, um, I'm usually just wearing compression shorts, but, but those are pretty good. Um, not so it's compression short with like a loose short over it. Is that correct? Correct. Like, a it's a, I think it's a seven inch seam, um, short, but as a compression shorts built in underneath, um, so I really like those, and then I like the uh, the overlayers, the training pants. There's like a jogger type training pants, and then there's a thinner 
um, material training pants, and then their long sleeve like cold gear that they have is really good as well. And it's like it's got thumb holes in it to keep the sleeves down and cover up your hands a little bit. And I actually wore that as the overlayer. I had the uh, Neptune thermoregulation on there, abominable snow race um, as my base layer to keep me warm, and then had the uh, cold gear long sleeve uh, skin skin over top of that, and no issues whatsoever from from a 30, 30s degree race. Um, worked really well. Cool. Yeah, I have a pair of the two-in-one shorts that I use for the gym. I go with regular spandex for races because I like people seeing the outline of my junk because it makes them uncomfortable. And yeah. I'm hoping I'm hoping I can pass them in that that couple seconds of awkwardness. But hashtag front bump. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, we're gonna get going. Um, any uh, final shout-outs besides that one? If you're in St. Louis, check out Core Complex for your optical course training. Up, they just uh, added a new kids training area and moved a lot of the stuff out that was in there. So there's a ton more space, a lot more obstacles. And the Core Complex actually just started a, a eight-person OCR team, so they're putting a lot of OCR um, apparatuses and obstacles into the training facility. So that's a good place to check if you're in the area. Cool, and I'm gonna give a quick shout out to. Uh, I got a couple of articles coming out on Mud Run Guide. Uh, two of them are about frog skins. So it is uh, neoprene gear that people have been wearing for Toughest Mudder and World's Toughest Mudder, but it's like fleece line. So it's kind of thin neoprene. Uh, I think it's a great opportunity as an intermediary step between like I'm wearing just compression clothing to now I'm wearing a full wetsuit. So I'm going to bring my frog skins top and bottom and gloves and hood to all of my toughest events this year to use in case it is too cold for uh, shirtless, which is how I usually run, but too warm for a wetsuit. So check out those reviews on Mud Run Guide. Also, if you head over to the Conquer the Gauntlet Pro Team Facebook page and click on the banner, there are discount codes for all our sponsors. So things like Juice Performer, if you're ordering off Amazon, you can get 15% off. We have uh, coupon codes for Mud Gear. Um, Let's see what else. yeah, there's a couple on there. Uh, rec bag. We got one for rec bag. So head over to the Conquer the Gauntlet Pro Team Facebook page. Click on the banner. Get yourself some discounts. Get yourself some OCR gear. And uh, get ready to crush uh, 2018. All right, Chris. Thanks for having Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, appreciate and, it. Thanks for having me. And I will see you, uh, I don't know, sometime in the next couple months. All right. You going to be at Battlegrounds? Yeah, of course. Final race. Gotta go in. If nothing else, I'll see you there. All right. I'll catch you later. All right.